This has been a very, very difficult week, and I want to address some of it right now. And I'm sure that the the events in San Bernardino have just uh, impacted us all in different ways. Um, we have a variety of people who are, you know, closely, you know, whether they work really close there or they were down in that area. We had had one of our members that was there at the Inland Regional Center um, that morning before the shooting began. He was there doing a stop as one of his routes along for his business and uh, interacted uh, with people frequently there. Um, the man that served him coffee every week was one of the victims. And so um, so that Danny Mello's, Danny Mello knows the, uh, the, the one of the men that was, was killed there. And then, um, so, you know, that, that rattles you. Um, uh, Anna Chapman's mom, um, Anna and her husband DJ helped plant our church and they moved with us here to get this thing started. And, and, uh, Anna's mom, Cynthia, and her husband Frank, they attend church in the woods, which is in Lake Arrowhead. And the man who had six, uh, children that, that died, one of the victims, um, I think Michael, Mike Wetzel. Um, he was a member of that church, and that's where Anna's mom and her husband Frank attends. And, and um, he had just this past Sunday led like an Advent service for their church, and so um, you know, left behind six little ones and, and a wife and church family. And so um, several people from our church are connected to Loma Linda and work at Loma Linda, uh, work in law enforcement, work at local hospitals, um, work in social services. And there's just there's a you know, uh, there's just we live in a very tight knit area, and so there is there's connections all over the place to this tragedy, and so um, lives were changed this week, and and people have experienced a trauma um, like never before, and their lives are not going to be the same. Uh, people that lost coworkers, the people that were in the building, this is going to be frightening for people for for some time, and so when you look at all of this. Um, you know, all sorts of emotions come up. I don't know how you process things like this. I remember how similar this feels to the September 11th attacks for me in the sense of I was constantly just like checking the news, what's new and what does that mean and all of that. And some, and when I do that, I can very quickly move into worry and fear and, and anxiety and, and, and um, just as those emotions kind of circle through our minds and so one of the things that's been helpful for me as I process seasons of worry whether it's from a tragedy or just personal um, challenges you know is um, I pray and I stay focused on the work that's at hand and so where that comes from is is in the scripture Philippians 4 verse 6 you know it talks about don't be anxious but in everything through prayer Give thanks. Make requests of God. He's the one that can settle our hearts and give us peace. And so we're to pray. When we have worry, we're to pray. That's the first place to run. Is Go to that place and just talk to God. God, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's on my mind. Whether you're praying for the victims and their families, whether you're praying for your friends or your children who are sorting this out, or you personally, go to God first. Pray. Okay? Philippians 4, four six. Do not be anxious in everything, but in everything to give to, to pray, give thanks to God, bring your requests and petitions to Him. That's the first place we go. Then in Matthew six talks about talks about uh, the worries of the world and the, the worries that um, can consume our hearts. And we're told not to worry there as well. Matthew six and and Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. One of the things he says is that he says that 
Uh, it's Matthew 6:34. I'm going to flip there right now. This has been also very helpful and very practical. Beyond praying, um, this verse, Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every single day, I have stuff that's on my plate. Each day, I've got enough trouble. Some, sometimes we call trouble work, period, you know. There's, a, there's hard work to be done. Every day has enough trouble of its own. The barrier between today and tomorrow's trouble, we're told, is today's, today's work. It's, it's the stuff that's right on our plate right now. We all have responsibilities. We have, some of you have children. Some of you have you know, jobs. There's just things that, that need your attention. And so the way you battle worry, we're told, is first we pray, and then we go to the work bucket. We, we, we put our hands back to work with whatever God has assigned to us whether that's parenting, whether that's at the job, but you stay focused on the things that are before you. And, and you recognize there is trouble. We, we live in a world full of trouble. We, we um, you know, God, He has not um, allowed us to escape living in this sin-infected world. He's not removed us from it. We, when He designed everything, when He made everything, there was no sin. And so before sin, it was all perfect. There was peace. There was, um, you know, things were right. There was no sin. And at the end of time, his final plan, again, no sin, no death, no tears. You know, but we're in the middle. Since Adam and Eve, since the fall of man, we're in the middle. And as we're in the middle, um, it, it, it puts us in a really, really challenging place. These events, sometimes they, they cause in me a longing for heaven. My God, I just long to be with you. I thank you that there's that I have my hope in you and, and that heaven is my home. At the same time, like he's left us here. He hasn't said, you know, let's let's just he hasn't wrapped up time in history. Why are we here? Well he wants us to be a light to the world, to those who are far from God. He wants us to bring hope. And so we have a role to play in that. We have a role to play in this season right now of what's going on in our world in our community. And so I I just want to encourage you to bring your emotions to God and allow Him to settle your heart through praying and then staying focused on the things that are on your plate. And and, um, as you are prompted by God to pray for people, pray. As you're prompted by God to give or to help, you know, then respond to what God leads you to do. I want to to pray before we we move into this morning's message. Let's pray together. When we pray... Understand this, when we pray, we have direct access to the Almighty God who hears our prayers and who has the ability to really work through them. And so let, let's, let's go before Him and pray. Father, we just lift up to You the many, many people who are hurting right now. We pray for all of the victims' families, Lord. We pray for their children. Would You be just a good and kind Heavenly Father to them who loves them and who provides, Lord, for them through the years ahead. Would you take care of them and would you use even this this tragic, tragic um, time of loss, Lord, to to cause people to cling to you and to turn to you and would you draw people to yourself? Would, would you allow people to feel your comfort and your presence in a very real way right now? And God, we, we ask for comfort and care for spouses, for close friends, co-workers, Lord. We pray that you would just, again, bring comfort, Lord, in a very, very real way. You are the God of all comfort. And so, God, I pray that you would use 
people to provide that comfort to, to those who are hurting. And then also, Lord, in people's quietness and just alone time, Lord, would they feel a closeness to you, God? We ask you for your help. We pray for the leaders of our country. We pray for the, those in law enforcement who are aiming to keep us safe and, and strategizing, Lord. We, we pray that you would give wisdom, Lord. And I pray that you would turn our country, Lord, to look to you, God, in this time. I pray for our leaders, Lord, that you'd, you'd help lead them wisely, Lord. That they would uh, be seeking you in your face, Lord, at this time. I pray that as a church, Lord, you would, you would use us, Lord, to continue to, to reach out to those who are far from you. Lord, and you, you've, you know, this, these events, you know, they spill over into our community clearly, Lord. There's, there's, there's obvious connections to Riverside and people from Riverside, graduates of UCR that were victims. Lord, this is just very, very close to home. And so, Lord, we just lift this up to you. We pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would settle our hearts and, and allow us to experience peace, Lord. We pray that for those that are most closely impacted by all this as well, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to address the needs of our sin-infected world. We thank you that you've not left us alone, but, Lord, you've come to live with us. You've been Emmanuel. You are God with us. And so we just cry out to you, God, and we, we just express we need your help, God, to walk through all of this. Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to turn your attention to our... Take out your listening guide here. Our, our goal in this, in this series, as we've been preparing for Christmas, has been really twofold. The goal for this series is twofold. The first goal has been that we want to draw our attention to God's goodness and His provision for us. And really, over the first two weeks of this series, we've been doing that. We've been trying to just say, look at what God has done. Look at how good and kind and generous. And we've looked at a story in the Psalms, or one of the Psalms, as David just declared God's goodness. And and He has poured out so much into our lives, more than we can handle, more than we can really even imagine the Scripture teaches. And so we've looked at God's generosity. That's been one of our goals, to understand God's generosity and His provision. And our second goal is to show how His generosity can do this, how His generosity can compel us to become more generous people. We, we want to look at how what God has done can create like a well of resources in our lives that we would extend out to others, that we would open our hands and be more and more generous. And so today I want to do this. I want to just walk through this this morning, the problem when it comes to generosity, and really this statement here, is that if we're honest with ourselves, generosity is something that is very, very difficult for us. And there are so many reasons why generosity is difficult for us. And so here's four barriers. The first one is that we, we don't think we really have a way to be generous. We don't think we have the resources to do that. And sometimes that's the case. That might be your main barrier to be more generous is you feel like, I don't, I don't have the means to do that. I don't have the ability right now to do that. Another reason is consumerism, though. We looked last week about how we live in a tension between giving and taking, constantly. We were, we were created to be generous because God made us generous, but, but then we were raised consumers in this consumer world, so there's a tension there. Third, there's this idea of just a lack of planning. If it's not in our budget, then all of our resources are already allocated to other things, then the, the generosity factor gets kind of, it dies out. Fourth, fear. 
if I'm generous, I may not have what I want. I may not have what I need. And so I'm afraid to do that. Yet for most of us, now hear me, for most of us in America, not all of us, but most of us in America, not only do we have everything we need, but we have extra. We actually have extra. Now, I don't know your specific situation right now, and you may not have extra right now. You, you, may, have, you may have what you need and nothing more, and you feel like, you know what? I, I have. God has provided exactly what I need. I don't know how He does it, but, but He gets me through it. And I know many of you have had conversations where you'll share those situations where you're like, this, this is where I'm at. God is just, He's providing. I don't always know where it's going to come from, but He has provided. And he's never ripped me off. But then there are many of us that would say, you know, God has really provided extra. And if you're barely getting by right now and you feel like, I do have enough, but that's all I really have, then don't check out. And I'm, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty this morning. But I want to shape some perspective about life with extra. Life with extra. Because for most of us in America, that's, that's the lives we live. We, we have extra. And you may not feel like you do. And so I want to begin by describing what I mean by extra. Most of us, we wake up each day and we put on a, a set of clothes that we go to exercise in. And on a good day, let's say on the, on the ideal day, okay? Let's just, you're like, most of us don't do that these days. You know, I, I would say on, on a good day, that, let's just say, most of us, we, we'd put on a, a set of clothes and we decide, I'm going to go and exercise. And so we put on a set of clothes, we, we work out hard, and, and we come home from that exercise. Well, we take that that set of clothes off, we, we shower off and we put on a new set of clothes and we head off to work or we head off to school and we, we set out to do our day of work or whatever that, that means for us. And then after, you know, getting home from work, we, we, we get home and we, we change out of our work clothes and we might put on a, a set of clothes to kind of lounge around your house and you just kind of walk around. It's more comfortable. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe that's sweats or maybe that's who knows what that is, but just a little more comfortable. If you have to wear a tie, you know, loosen the tie, put on a t-shirt. And then after that, you might put on a different set of clothes to go to bed in. And, and, and many of us, we have multiple sets of all four of those categories, if not... And we also have some others, you know, we have the, the really fancy, I'm going out tonight, I'm going to a wedding. You know, we have, the, and we have multiple sets of those types of... Of, of clothes, but we can still stand in front of a closet full of clothes and say, I don't have anything to wear. Can't we? Well, why is that? Well, it's because we have extra. We have extra. Most of us have a car. Most of us have a car. And if you don't have a car, it's probably more by choice. Many, many of you have two cars. You might have three cars and more. You know the, that only 12% of the world's adult population owns a car. And so we are, we are living with extra. Phones. We don't even talk about phones, right? We don't get new phones because they're broken. We get new phones because there's the new model that's been released. And we don't have the new anymore. And I could go on and on. And again, I'm not, make, I'm trying, not trying to make any of us feel guilty, me included. But I, I, think, I think you get the point. We may not feel like we have extra, but compared to the rest of the world, we really do. The rest of the world, they look at us and they look at all that we have and they say, you've got to be kidding me. I would give anything just to have a fraction of your extra. Just a slice of your extra. Because truly for some people, having extra is very, very rare. So, so what do we do? Should we feel bad about all the, all the extra we have in our life? Should we feel, feel bad and rotten about that? No. Remember, God is the owner. 
God is the owner. So we have extra in our lives in large part because God has actually given us extra. Now the main question that we need to ask is, is on your outline. Why do we have extra in our lives? Why do we have as much as we do? God actually has a purpose for the extras and I want to, I want to look at that. And let's look at the guidance in the Bible for, for Christ followers. If you're not yet a Christ follower, if you're not yet chosen to follow Christ, then maybe this will help you continue to sort out and build an understanding of God's view on money and what it would mean to really surrender your life to following Him. What, what would that look like? What would that, how would that impact your resources to look at things His way? Now, what, what's the extra for? What's it not for first? And then what is it for? First off, what's it not for? And let me be honest. This may come across, this first point may come across very harsh. So hang, hang in there with me. But here's what the extra is not for. The extra is not for self-indulgence. It's not for self-indulgence. Listen to this warning to a group of rich people in the first century. Now, James, the book of James is, is a very practical, frank book. If you're looking for some practical advice for your life, go to the book of James. It's, it's like modern-day wisdom, but it's, it's not sugar-coated. It's very pointed. And so, James calls it as he sees that it points. And so, he's talking to a group of wealthy um, landowners who basically are oppressing those who work for them and not taking care of the people that serve him, serve them. And so these are, this is a warning to rich, oppressive people. Okay, but, but pay attention to this, because I think this can apply to any of us who have extra. James 5.5 5 says this. It says, You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. Now, when you have extra, you have it... You know, when your extra is just for you to consume, if it's just seen as, as something to to indulge what James is saying and what we can apply is you're, you're treating money the way that animals treat food. Now this is where it gets kind of harsh and uncomfortable for us. Uh, how, how do animals eat? They eat all they can. You know, I remember Thanksgiving. If we left anything on the, on the table... And there was a dog nearby. We had two dogs during Thanksgiving. We were dog sitting, and and you know our our dogs they were they were looking for morsels, of turkey, and and but they eat all they can. Our, our dog lady eats so fast that at times she can gag. She's just so happy to eat. Why is that? I mean, for the most part, we feed her every day, and uh, <laughs> and so maybe that explains part of it, but. You know, she's got her bowl and we shake the stuff into the bowl or we scoop the stuff into the bowl and, and, you know, we feed her every day. Why does she do that? Why does she eat so fast? Like she's, like, you know, but we can't explain that to her. You know, calm down. There's more coming. Don't worry. We're going to feed you again. No, she's a dog. And as an animal, she's driven by instinct and not intellect. She's not driven by thinking this all through. She just sees the food there. She needs to eat it all. She eats so fast she can gag herself. And animals, they don't know when the next meal is exactly coming, so they're going to eat all they can while they can. That's the animal way. In fact, eating too much, when we eat too much, we call it pigging out. We don't call it humaning out. We call it pigging out. It's when we overdo it, and we're referring to animal behavior. Whenever we do that, we're acting like animals. They, they can't think beyond the food that's right in front of them. And this animal approach to food, it, re- it really fits perfectly into the goal of a rancher who's trying to grow his livestock. If I'm a rancher and I'm trying to, to, to you know, sell off my cattle, 
I get paid by the pound. If you're a rancher, you get paid by the pound. So then your goal would be to fatten up and feed your cattle as much as you can in order to maximize your profits. You want your animals to get larger and larger and more meat, more money. And so if the rancher keeps putting food in front of the animals, well, the animals will keep eating and they'll get fatter and fatter and fatter because that's the animal way. The sad thing is that the animals have no idea that they're eating their way to the slaughterhouse. They have no idea. You can't blame a cow for eating whatever's put in front of them. They don't have the brains to really reflect on their situation. They're certainly not going to look up from their trough one day and say, Hey, what's going on here? Has anyone seen Bob? (laughs) Bob? Bob? Where's Bob? He was just here eating with us yesterday. Now, here's the point. God is not a rancher. And you and I, we're not cattle. And God is not giving us resources so that we can just consume more and more and more of them and then die with as much stuff attached to our life as possible. But that's usually our response to the extra. Whenever our income goes up, the first thought that generally comes to our mind is what can we buy with the extra, not what can we give with the extra. James is accusing those people who are doing that and kept consuming more and more. He was accusing them of thinking like cows would think. He said, you're just fattening yourself up for the day of slaughter. Now think about it. You and I know one day, one day we're going to die. And so we, we should ask ourselves the question, why all of this extra? Why do I have all of this extra in my life? Do we really think that God is just giving us more and more so that we can raise our lifestyle and just swell our bank accounts? If that's what we think, then we're no smarter than a cow. With a face, with our face in the food eating as much as the rancher will give us. We're playing right into the hands, into the plans of the enemy. God's enemy, Satan, he wants us, he's like the rancher. He wants us to get fatter and fatter with resources and consume more and more. Satan is the one who brought death to the human experience. And so he's looking forward to the day of slaughter for many who are consuming on all they can and their lifestyle is getting fatter and fatter and fatter with the things that we attach ourselves to But until then, until the day of slaughter, he wants us to look no further and to think no further than, you know, today. His goal is to get us to spend all of our money on ourselves. Just just you and yours. That's it. He wants us to just get as fat as possible in this life. And the, the lie is, the more I eat, the happier I'll be in the sense of spending on ourselves. Now I realize this is a very, very tough point to take in. But the extra, it's not for self-indulgence. That's the first thing. Now, if it's not that, then what's it for? Three main reasons. Three main reasons. The first one is this. The extra is for our enjoyment. Now I just said it's not for our self-indulgence. So you're like, wait, you just said it's not for our enjoyment. So that's why there's three reasons. Okay, so first, it's for our enjoyment. Look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich. Now, remember, that's in America, for the most part, that's us. Okay, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If God has given you extra, His purpose was so that you would not become arrogant. It, It also wasn't, So you put your hope in building an earthly shelter and trusting in that shelter rather than trusting in God. One of his purposes, though, for the extra is enjoyment. 
Self-indulgence says, man, this is all for me. Enjoyment says, some of this is for me to enjoy. It's, it's God, if you look at this, look at the last two statements. It's God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's God who does that. God provides the resources, the extra resources. And part of that is, is okay to enjoy. It's a gift from Him. Whenever you give gifts this Christmas, you do so in order to bring joy to those that you give them to. That's, that's, hopefully that's the motivation behind it. You want to bring joy to those people who open those gifts. It makes you happy to see that their joy, that they have joy because of the gift that you provided. It's the same way for God. There's this idea, and it's a wrong idea, but it floats around the Christian circles. The idea is this. It's that to be a Christian, you have to be sure that you don't enjoy money. And if you do, you better not like you better not look like you're enjoying money. And that idea of you shouldn't enjoy money, it comes in large part from Matthew 19. I'm not going to put the verse up here. I'm going to summarize the story. Matthew 19 is about Jesus interacted with this man, the man who loved money. And the man, he loved money so much, he asked Jesus, Jesus, what do I need to do to get right with God? And Jesus told him, look, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Now imagine, this guy has all this money. Very, very rich man. Sell all I've got? Imagine how extreme this response must have been for the man. And so he went away sad because his lo- he loved his wealth so much, he wasn't willing to do it. Now this is the only time where Jesus specifically tells someone to sell all they have and give it to the poor. That's the only place in Scripture where you're going to find that statement of Jesus like that. Now the commands, when you study the Bible, the commands that are universal, the, one, the commands that are for everyone, they're repeated. Those, those statements or the principles, they're repeated. Okay? You never build doctrine on a single verse. People that do that get themselves into a lot of trouble. And sadly, you know, people, extreme people will do that with Bible verses, with other religions. Anytime you build on one single thing, you're, you're bound for trouble. So you look for what are the universal principles that apply. And so, now here's what was going on. Why did Jesus say it then? If he didn't mean for us to do that, why did he say it? Here's what was going on. Jesus knew the heart of this man. He knew that this man needed to sell all that he had in order to break the grip of greed and the power of money that was over him because it had a hold of this man. And so, it's not wrong for you to enjoy watching your 50-inch TV. It's not wrong for you to enjoy eating a, a nice meal. It's not wrong for you to go on a vacation to go on a cruise. It's not, it's not wrong for you to, to drive in a, in a nice car. That, that's not wrong. Now, those purchases can be experienced with joy as gifts from God. You don't have to feel guilty every time. You, know, you don't have to like, make a mad dash out of Best Buy like carrying the 70-inch box. You can't really reach 70-inch, but let's say 40 inches or 50 inches. Like, okay, I hope nobody... Honey, do you see anybody from church or from any... You know, no, okay, make go, 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 go! Throw it in there, I'm... You don't have to wear a mask to go buy things. You don't have to feel guilty that you enjoy some of the things that money can buy. But but that's the point. Self-indulgence says it's all for you. Enjoyment says some of it can be used for you. Like any gift that God gives, you know, He he wants you to enjoy that. But enjoyment is not the only purpose. So that's, that's the balance. It's not the only purpose. Look at these other two. The extra is for sharing. The very next verse. First Timothy 6.18, he, he's speaking to the same group uh, of rich 
people in the church. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So it's the same group of people. It's easier to just not do this. So it's easier to put a wall up and to not be generous and not willing to share. Just to put a wall up between our life and our lifestyle and everyone else and the needs around us. And just to live at a distance. Now this is one of the reasons that we do church relationally. We could do church very different here. And and there are many good churches that that do it differently than we do. And so... We do church relationally because we want people to actually know each other. And, and generally that starts as you open up your life with others about who you really are. As you live an honest and open life, one of our core values here is to live honest and open lives before you know, others. We want to do that. We want to let people know who we really are. And as we do that, we begin to learn about each other. We, we begin to learn about specific ways we can help, specific ways we can serve, specific ways we can give, specific ways we can share. And as we do that, we can be like a channel of extra resources that God has poured into our lives to meet real needs that come up in the life of the body and, and even in the world around us as we live open and honest lives. Now, many of us here have been given enough to really do that, to, to share. And now... When we're talking about this point of sharing, this is, this is, there's Bible verses that actually set some boundaries on who you give to. This is not a command to just give to everyone who asks. There's actually verses in the Bible that specifically say, don't give and support patterns of laziness. Where there's a refusal to work, where there's laziness, patterns of laziness and irresponsibility with, with money. You're not to continue to feed the habit. And so, the church was to monitor in Second Thessalonians. Paul's writing, he tells the church there in Second Thessalonians 3, for those that would not work, they would not eat. They, did, they weren't just, you know, to support everyone regardless of the situation and circumstance. You're to support, you know, specific, with specific needs that you're aware of. Now sometimes there's a situation that you're presented with that you really don't know. And you're like, I don't know if this person is just down and out right now. How do I know? I would say in those situations, pray. Ask God, God, should I do something right now? Sometimes I've not, and sometimes I felt like the Lord said, do something right now. Sometimes it's strangers, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to talk, I'm going to have a conversation, I'm going to feel this out a little bit, and if I feel like the Lord says to do something, then, uh, you know, I want to take His lead. But, but by and large, what I'm talking about is needs that you're aware of. In the body, needs that you're aware of, and people in your life. Um, I have not yet heard about... Um, the specific needs regarding the victims' families of these shootings. But one thing I am aware of, and I'll just let you know about, is the one gentleman who died that had six kids. He was a part of um, the church. It's called Church in the Woods. It's up in Lake Arrowhead. There's actually already a giving link on that church's website. So if you're like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to share some of what God has provided extra right now with a family who's going to need that. They've already set that up to go directly to that family. There's the wife and six kids and... Um, the church is Church in the Woods. You can jot that down. You can explore that. There's a video on there about with the man leading the Advent service, and and you'll you'll have probably already seen his picture at this point. But but things like that, the, you know, and God says, hey, I want you to do something for that. You know, follow God's lead when He prompts you to do stuff. This last point here is this: the extra is for a thank offering. For a thank offering. 
It's the extras for enjoyment, it's for sharing. It's also for a thank offering. In the Bible, there are two ways that we give to God. There's two specific ways that we give to God in the Bible. The first is called the tithe. The tithe is where we give back a tenth or 10% of the income that God gives to us. The purpose of the tithe, as taught in Scripture, is to honor God and to declare His ownership over us and over all of our resources. So it's, it's as if God is saying, look, I've poured this in your life, but I have a claim on the first 10% of it. A tenth of it is mine. Don't mess with my tenth, God says. And there's verses that, that you know, I'm not, not going to bring up all the verses, but He says, you know, this is mine, the rest is for, for you, and there's, there's some things in the Bible on how to guide the, the rest of that, the 90%, but God says, this is mine. And so when we give a tithe, we're saying, God, I honor you as Lord of my life. And I declare your ownership over me and I honor you. The second kind of giving is something called an offering. So you've heard the term tithes and offerings. The tithe is referring to the first tenth. The offering is anything in addition to that tenth. So this is 11%, it's 12%. It's time for you to decide, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to pour out a lot of extra that, I, that I've uh, received this year to, to help with things. The purpose of an offering is different than the tithe. The purpose of the offering is gratitude. Whereas... The first one is really just honoring God's request or honoring God's command on that area. Look at Psalm 56, verses 12 and 13. David says this. He says, I will present my thank offerings to you. Now, Psalm 56 is a psalm where David is on the run from King Saul and he's also on the run from the Philistines. And he he lands in a certain area and God protects his life. He doesn't get harmed. And he says, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Psalm 56 is like a thank you psalm. It's a gratitude psalm. God, thank you for sparing me. Thank you for not delivering me over to death. And at the very end he says, I will present my thank offerings to you for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. You're allowing me to go, go on. God, I want to present a thank offering. He's giving God Another offering, okay? Now, why are words not enough? He'd said in Psalm 56, the first part of Psalm 56, thank you by word. But then he said, I'm going to do something with a thank offering. He's going to give something. Why are words not enough? Well, why are you giving gifts this Christmas? I mean, it's the thought that counts, right? If you think that's true, go ahead and try it this Christmas. <laughs> just just try that this Christmas. Try thanking the people you love and then give them nothing. Now, you know, just put a bow on your head and just <laughs> sit under the tree. Thank you. <laughs> knock knock on people's door. Thank you. <laughs> try that approach. Why do we do that? Something happens when we give a gift, right? Now, when my wife and I celebrated our 10th anniversary, we've been married, it'll be 17 years this June, and so we'll be married 17 years. And, but when we celebrated our 10th anniversary, I gave her a, a new wedding ring. I replaced her wedding ring. Now, why did I do that? Did I have a few thousand extra dollars lying around? Definitely not. <laughs> we could have put that money to, to some other use, but, but I, I'm so grateful for my wife. I am grateful for her and for her years of, of, of help and of partnership. And uh, there's just a real gratitude that I have for her. I drug her into a lot in this, in this marriage <laughs> in the sense of she knew was, what we were getting into as far as church planting and ministry. She, she married me eyes wide open. It was really on her heart to, to marry someone in ministry as well. And, and, uh, but 
It, it hasn't always been easy to, to do what we're doing, and it's been quite an adventure. And I'm not the easiest person to deal with and live with. And so there, there's real gratitude. Now, I could have just said to her, thanks, honey, for 10 years. And she would have been happy with that. There was no expectation for that gift. But I wanted for her to experience something tangible that would be an ongoing statement of the way that I love my wife, who is Erica over here. And, uh, and this, is the, this is the reality, that words of gratitude are, are, you know, they're important, but a gift, a gift takes gratitude to a whole nother level. And so when you give tangible things, it's, it has a different impact. When I first be- became a Christian, um, I, I began learning to give. I began to learning to give. And maybe for some of you, when you first became a Christian, you began learning to give. And then someone challenged me to begin to grow and give God the full tithe, that full 10%, which was a scary step of faith for me to give God at that level. And, but, and for a few years, I never grew beyond giving God my tenth. I was obedient with, with my money, but I was still needing to grow in my gratitude. And I still need to grow in my area of gratitude to God in this area. Like you, I have just experienced so much that I'm grateful for. I'm so grateful to God. I'm grateful for the family He's given me, my wife, my children. I'm grateful for um, my, my, just the fact that God loves me. And He's been so kind. He's kind to us. He's, he's merciful to us. We all know who we really are. We know the things we struggle with. And the fact that God would say, I love you despite who you are, sending my son to offer your, your forgiveness for all eternity, you spend that with me. I'm so grateful. When I take that in, I, just, I, I'm, I don't want to get over that gratitude that God has paid away for me to be forgiven. I'm grateful for all of you, for my church family. This has been like family to, to us for eight years. And I'm thinking about the Orange Crestival. We had this great time serving our community. And, and we, we assembled like, you know, I'm sure 125 plus people serving. I, I know there was probably at least that many people from our church serving together alongside one another. And I'm grateful for that. And so sometimes thanks is just not enough. I, I actually want to express my thanks to God in more tangible ways. And so a thank offering, you see that with David. God, I'm just so thankful. So he gives above and beyond what was asked. He's giving things above. And so what I want to do as we wrap up right now is just uh, walk you quickly through the Christmas offering. So if you take out this air freshener that you see, I want you to know what this year's Christmas offering will be going towards and just draw your attention to the air freshener on the back of the air freshener it says local regional and international and let's all take a moment to crack open the air freshener bag just crack it open don't take the freshener out but just crack it open spread a little minty peppermint into our season it's gonna it's nice and strong kind of like vapor rub well, not not quite the same as vapor rub. That's like a little more menthol. This is more minty. All right. Now that you got this scent, here here's the way where this is breaking down. We have three categories. We typically do this. We have a local focus, a regional focus, and an international focus. So locally, um, the focus of our Christmas offering is we need to update some of our equipment. 
there are some things that need our attention, things that have been breaking down. And so um, we set up and tear down every week. This is not our, we don't own this place, it's owned by the city of Riverside. We set up and tear down. All of our equipment is housed in a large trailer, rolls in in cases. We have a large crew of volunteers that help set everything up, tear it all down. When we're done today, this room gets emptied out. There's really nothing left in this room, just the white walls or the, the bare walls. And so most of what you see is our equipment. And so um, we, we've set up and torn down about 400 times since we started OCC. So eight years of doing this is 400 Setting it up and tearing it down. And so just think about the just think about the wear and tear on your equipment. Think about your own wear and tear of opening up a microwave, opening up a microwave, opening up a microwave, doing an oven, popping things in the toaster. I mean, the wear and tear of our appliances breaks down. Of course our, our equipment breaks down. And so there's a few things that need our attention. Just to highlight a couple, um, we would use resources towards a new snake. A snake is not our mascot, just so you know. A snake is a cable that runs from the back of the sound equipment board all the way up to the stage, and it feeds out to all the mics and all the instruments. It just transfers the sound back so the guys can control that. Our snake is breaking down just because, you know, you roll it up so many times, you think about all the things that you'd roll up, you know, like your vacuum and how the cord gets split and run over. That's, that's what happens over time. And so our snake needs to be replaced. We have other needs for the sight and sound. The, the band, uh, the worship team up here, their monitors. When we started, we had, I think, four or five of these blue avioms. These are uh, monitors that plug into their headphone. They can listen to how everything's sounding and the whole band. They can hear things. They can hear their instrument. Well, there's only one left of probably four or five of those that we started with. So, you know, we, we need to replace some of our equipment. We have a new office. We, we, we're using uh, six-foot tables, six-foot white plastic tables for all of our desks. And so there's needs for office, uh, some office equipment. We need a trailer dolly for transporting some of our smaller trailers that we use for our smaller events, like the Orange Crestival and tables and chairs. There's just needs we have right now for our, for our equipment. Um, regionally, we want to help with the building and expansion fund at Church in the Valley. Church in the Valley is in Diamond Bar. They were the church that helped us get launched eight years ago. I was one of the associate pastors of the Church in the Valley, and they sent us out to start OCC with a team of seven other adults. They launched us financially, and they helped us get stable financially for the first three years. When we hit really tough points, uh, they would help us financially stay afloat through those early years. Now, their church has been portable for 28 years. So we've set up and tear down 400 times, I think, They've done that 20 plus, you know, years or 20 years more than we have. And so they got wear and tear and they're at a point where in their current facility where they meet, they also meet in a community center in Diamond Bar. Um, they've outgrown their facility. And so when guests come to a church, if they see that you're full or it appears to be full, if the kids' spaces especially are full, then it's, it, it kind of sends a message of, oh, they're all full. We better go somewhere else where, there, where there's room. And so they, they really do have a need to, to move into some more permanent space. They're not planning to, to build a building and spend millions of dollars and going into debt. But what they want to do is they want to get into something more of a permanent lease situation, like a warehouse or something they could just build out and be in a long-term lease. It's going to cost quite a bit to build something out. So they're raising, I think, like $180,000 next year, over the next year, to, to do that. And so I just thought, let, let's join with them in, in helping contribute to their building and expansion fund. And then finally, we have an international focus to our Christmas offering, which is to support two things. One is um, the missionary that we worked with in Guatemala is in need of a van. And so there's a picture of a um, myself and John McWhorter 
and two other guys from Texas and in the middle some men from Guatemala that we were meeting with. I never felt so tall in my life. I mean, I just look like a giant in this photo. I've never had that experience. It was very, it was very amazing. But, uh, but, but this group of, of, of men, these are people that have come to faith there, formerly unreached indigenous group of people that God loves there. And these two missionaries on the left are the men that take teams from churches in the States in to reach the unreached in the jungles of Guatemala. And so when we went into the jungle, the man on the far left, he owns a pickup truck, a guy, and I don't know if you can see, he's got a cowboy hat on. His name is Cesar Gonzalez. He's actually going to be out here this next year. I'm, I'm really hoping he could come to church one of the days. You would all get a kick out of him. And, uh, but he drove us around in the back of his pickup truck across the country on highways going you know the speeds you'd go to drive on the freeways and stuff and so um, we would take turns riding in the back of a pickup holding on for dear life and and uh, but enough churches that have been out there decided this guy needs a van and so uh, so the van that he needs costs about $20,000 and so the, a group of churches has already started giving towards it so there's $13,000 already raised for that van so I want to just help be a part of pitching in towards that van also um, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is something we give to every year. It is a special offering to support Southern Baptist missionaries around the globe. And we, we contribute to the, the cooperative program, the fund that, that missionaries draw their salaries from. We contribute weekly to that as we just take our normal offering. A portion of our offering goes to support the cooperative program. But this Lottie Moon offering is just a one-time extra to help and the the missionaries, there's many missionaries that are having to retire early amongst Southern Baptists because the funds, the resources are just not flowing in towards missions like they like they used to in previous years. And so this really does go to uh, important uh, work um, all around. And so contributions for the Christmas offering, this comes really above and beyond your regular giving. We're asking you to pray about... What can we do beyond our regular giving? The regular giving that we receive, and whatever you give to Orange Crest Community Church really just goes to our, our normal operating costs, our normal budgeted costs to do all that we do. And so pray about what can we do beyond that. Um, and for that reason, we've just given you this, and we ask that you take this, put this up in your car somewhere where, it can, where you'd actually smell this scent and be reminded to do this to pray for the ministries and the people who will be receiving these things. And then second, to pray, God, what, what would you have us do? We're going to be receiving the offering all of the month of December and all of the month of January. So really, over the next two months, we're going to be receiving this offering. So just pray about if God would have you participate in that. Um, we've, we have, uh, you can, on your offering envelope, by the way, I want to ask our worship team to join back up on the stage. On the offering envelope, you'll notice there's a special designation for the Christmas offering. Also online, if you're an online giver, there's a special tab you can give online to the Christmas offering. And we've set a goal of 10000 which is probably pretty low for our church based on what we've done in previous years. But uh, I would love to see us be able to... to I think we gave, we gave over $20,000 um, this year to the Rimstads who moved to Papua New Guinea. And so I know the resources... God continues to pour into our lives. And so maybe we'll just blow past this goal and really be able to bless, especially Church in the Valley and, and the missionaries that are in, in Guatemala. So um, if you would take out your connection card in a moment, our ushers are going to receive the offering. Uh, if, you, if you came prepared to give, you can certainly drop your offering in the basket as they come by.
On the connection card on the back, you'll notice there's some next steps. You want to check those out. They're on the, your listening guide in the back of your listening guide as well. So let's go ahead just right now and receive our offering. And we have, uh, we went a little, a little longer than we typically do today. Just a lot were, there's a lot going on, and so we just wanted to take time for that. And <clears throat> and I want to encourage you, if, if, if you are in need of someone to talk to, someone to pray with, and come in and stop by our guest information table. Our staff will be back there along with some of our leaders. We'd love to visit with you. If you're a guest, we would love to know that you were here. We've got a free gift and a book that we'd like to, to hand to you. And so um, let's stand. We're going to close our service with this final song.